What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for finding the link anyway, because Twitter hates me. <laughs> and then the, the initial uh, one that uh, everybody had signed up for and hit the reminder for did not work. But that's okay. Thank you guys for still trying to find uh, the space anyway. Hopefully a lot of other people do the same thing. Let me throw out a few tweets and get this thing started. By the way, if you are in here and you want to get a jump start on the PO app that's here for today, try the word consistency. Consistency. That's your key word today or your secret word today in the PO app app. So try that out. Let me throw out a few tweets, get this thing started, then we'll get going. Okay, thanks for everybody for being so patient with uh, trying to get in here. Uh, you know, I set up these spaces uh, so much earlier than we act. You know, I did it basically right after the last space. Everybody hit hit that reminder button and got ready. But uh, hey, <laughs> uh, they're not everybody's able to get in because whenever I started the space, it wouldn't allow anybody else in here. So I had to start a fresh one. So I appreciate if you have any friends that may be wanting to listen to chapter four, that you hit that lower right hand corner and share the room, retweet it and get this thing started. Because, uh, gosh, that's the second time in the last four weeks that's happened. Last week, we didn't have any problems with it. But this one we did um, up here with me is Christine. Christine, how are you today? I'm good. I can't believe that the spaces didn't work again. Ah, that pisses me off so much. So it it starts out and it lets me start fine. But I always know something is wrong immediately because it starts out and the microphone is perma muted. There's nothing I can do to get off mute. And I know when that happens that no one else can get in. And whenever I sent you a text that said, can you get in? I kind of knew the answer already. Oh, that is a freaking mess. I know I'm trying to like get everyone that set their reminders in. Yeah, that 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 really sucks. But uh, last time we did this and everybody was able to get in that I think wanted to. Um, I just hope that those that uh, still want to get in, uh, you know, think to look to you and I's profile and can this join in here, which I think they will. Um, let me give a little bit of a setting the table before we do get started today. Uh, if you heard me right whenever you joined in, uh, we do have a PO app today. If you're unfamiliar with the PO app, it's just a little... Uh, Web3, little proof of attendance, where you'll get uh, what amounts to an NFT. And you can do that with an app called the PoApp app. 
Proof of Attendance Protocol app, and you can download that from either your Google Play Store or your Apple Store. You go in there, download the POEP app, and then you'll hit a button that says Secret Word. And from that secret word, you will hit uh, a word, or you'll type in the word consistency. That's the chapter of our uh, chapter four today. It's consistency, a state of mind. If you'll put in the secret word of consistency, and you will get a PO app. But to do that, you'll have to do this anti-bot measure, which is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't sign off on on this, but uh, it's what they're having us do right now. So if you'd like to try that and type in consistency as your secret word into the PO app uh, code, then go for that. And uh, you, too, can prove to your friends and family that you indeed were here for Chapter 4 reading of uh, Trading in the Zone. We've went through three chapters so far, including a preface and an attitude survey. And so far, it has been really, really good. This has really helped out who I am as a trader and I think who a lot of other people are as a trader as well because it, is, uh, it really works on your mental game of trading. So I'm excited about that. Christine, you've been there with Keanu and everybody else there in the options group. How many times this week did you think about the things that we had read in these first three chapters so far? Every day. And I think that's why I want to just really point to trading in the zone. I think it helps so much like in our just our mental state while trading and to just try and check yourself and be unemotional and just very transactional and you know, I think it helps a lot. And I have, we're not even finished with the book. We're barely starting chapter four and I've learned so much already. Well, I've learned so much already too. And even the titles of the chapter, it gets me excited. Last week, uh, excuse me, on Monday, the title of the chapter was taking responsibility. And that was really good. And it kind of hit hard at times too, where I'm like, damn, I, one of the things that mentioned last week is you beat yourself up more whenever you take profits too early and the market still goes in the direction that you said it was going to go in, but you took profits too early. And then more than even whenever you are, are wrong, right? You just pick the wrong direction. And the reason for that, it said, is because you can't blame anybody else. You, you know, you've only got yourself to blame if that happens. And so I thought that was an interesting point is just, we always want to shift the responsibility to the market and never just look in the mirror and say like, Hey, uh, it's me. I, I I am the problem here. So I found that to be real, really, really interesting. Uh, but chapter four tonight is consistency, which, Christine, if you're doing a, a trading with all the options group and everything like that, I know that consistency is something that you and everybody else must want. So you're probably as excited about this chapter as I am. That's where you say, oh, hell yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. I was on mute, like laughing and cheering, whatever. Anyways, I'm very excited for this chapter. I'm also going to pin the PDF up there on the Jumbotron so that you guys can read along. If you want to, it's free. Uh, if you don't have the physical in front, you're rugging ah. a bit, Christine. Oh my God. I was getting a phone call now. Okay. So I'm going to pin the PDF up there if you guys want to uh, read along. It's chapter four. It's free. You just click on it and read along. I like to read along with the physical, but I'm going to post the PDF link up on the Jumbotron. Yeah, and I might say this. There's 11 chapters in this thing, and so we're going to do chapter four tonight. We'll do chapter five this next Monday. There is still time if you guys want to grab this book, and I would recommend it because I think it should be in the library 
of any good trader. I really do. So if you consider yourself a, a serious trader, I really think you should own this book. So uh, she does have the PDF if you want to read tonight, but there's still time to get this book and read along. Couple of little housekeeping reminders is this is a live reading. I'll be doing a reading. I'm going to do the best I can to make it sound like the best damn audiobook you've ever heard, but it is a live reading. So I might uh, read the same line twice. I might stumble over my words. You might hear me cough, uh, any of that sort of thing. You might hear me swallow hard. I don't know. All of that. Wait, wait, wait. Just kidding. What did you just say? <laughs> I know what you commented on. You don't even have to repeat it because I already know you and I know what you commented on. And yes, I said the terms <laughs> hard. Um, see, that was right, wasn't I? Um, Are we trying to get yeah. more listeners at this point? That's right. <laughs> Right. Christine's yeah. trying to get us What's to go. The, I love the late night golden hour book club. I like that. I like that. The late night golden hour book club. Yeah, let's get this thing viral in here with my big swallows or whatever I said. Um, oh my God. Jeez. You're the one who brought it up. Um, so, yeah, we'll start out with consistency, a state of mind tonight. Say that again, Keanu. <laughs> No, sorry. <laughs> so we'll start with consistency, a state of mind tonight. Wow. And I really think this will be a good one for us because this is something that I definitely desire. So. I was, I was going to say you're spitting facts, but I guess you don't spit. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. This is unbelievable, guys. It is 6.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is too early for these two to be talking raunchy. Um, I apologize. Nearly nine o'clock where I am. So we're, we're getting about right into prime time, you know, working blue here. So that's fine. All right. So tonight will be consistency, a state of mind. Here's the thing that I do have to ask from everybody. This is a shorter chapter. Last week I read a long time. And by the time I was through, I had kind of the vocal fry going on. So we're going to have a little extra time at the end. And here's one thing I would love to have. Afterwards, Christine will kind of lead the discussion over what we read tonight. But what I think she would really like, I feel like I'm speaking for you, Christine, here, but I, I know I'm speaking what you're thinking here. So we'd love if people in the audience come up here, request to be up here, and tell us what we read tonight, how it applies to you. If you hear something that uh, Mark Douglas says in the book here and you say like, oh, wow, that really speaks to me and it's because this is the way I've traded previously or this is the way I'm trading right now, then I'd love to hear that from you. So afterwards, um, request to come up. And, uh, and, and see if you can uh, spit some knowledge out here with us. There, I said the word spit again, just 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 because. Uh, all right, Let, <laughs> let's start with uh, chapter four, consistency, a state of mind. I will remind everybody to share this room and uh, get people in here. And if you do want the PO app, the word is consistency. That's the secret word. You can get that in and get your PO app for the day. But let's get this party started. Chapter four, consistency. <laughs> A state of mind. I hope that after reading the first three chapters, you're getting the idea that just because you are acting in the capacity of a trader doesn't mean that you've learned the appropriate ways to think about what you do. As I've already stressed several times, what separates the best traders from everyone else is not what they do or when they do it, but rather how they think about what they do and how they're thinking when they do it. If your goal is to trade like a professional, and be a consistent winner, then you must start from that premise that the solutions are in your mind and not in the market. Consistency is a state of mind that has its core, that has at its core 
certain fundamental thinking strategies that are unique to trading. Experiencing a few or more winning trades can convince almost anyone that trading is easy. Recall your own experiences. Think back to those trades that brought you a stream of money flowing into your account when all you had done is make a simple decision to buy or sell. Now, combine the extremely positive feeling you get from winning and getting money with no effort, and it's almost impossible not to conclude that making money as a trader is easy. But if that's the case, if trading is so easy, then why is it so difficult to master? Why are there so many traders at their wit's end grappling with the obvious contradiction? If it is true that trading is easy, and traders know it is because they've had the direct experience of how easy and effortless it is, then how can it also be possible that they can't make what they've learned about the markets work for them over and over again? In other words, how do we account for the contradiction between what we believe about trading and our actual trading results over time? Thinking about trading. The answers are all in the way you think about it. The irony is that trading can be as much fun and as effortless as your experience of it has been on any occasion. But experiencing these qualities consistently is a function of your perspective, your beliefs, your attitudes, or your mindset. Choose the term you're most comfortable with. They all refer to the same thing. Winning and consistency are states of mind in the same way that happiness, having fun, and satisfaction are states of mind. Your state of mind is a byproduct of your beliefs and attitudes. You can try to create consistency without having the appropriate beliefs and attitudes, but your results won't be any different than if you try to be happy when you're not having fun. When you're not having fun, it can be very difficult to change your perspective to one where you all of a sudden start enjoying yourself. Of course, the circumstances of your situation could suddenly shift in a way that causes you to experience joy but then your state of mind would be the result of an external shift in conditions, not a result of an internal shift in your attitude. If you depend on outside conditions and circumstances to make you happy so that you always are enjoying yourself, then it is extremely unlikely that you will experience happiness on a consistent basis. However, you can greatly increase the possibility of your being happy by the developing fun-type attitudes and more specifically, by working on neutralizing the beliefs and attitudes that prevent you from having fun or enjoying yourself. Creating consistent success as a trader works the same way. You can't rely on the market to make you consistently successful any more than you can rely on the outside world to make you consistently happy. People who are truly happy don't have anything to do, don't have to do anything in order to be happy. They're happy people who do things. Traders who are consistently successful are consistent as a natural expression of who they are. They don't have to try to be consistent. They are consistent. This may seem like an abstract distinction, but it is vitally important that you understand the difference. Being consistent is not something you can try to be, but the very act of trying will negate your intent by mentally taking you out of the opportunity flow, making it less likely that you will win and more likely that you will lose. Your very best trades were easy and effortless. You didn't have to try to make them easy. They were easy. There was no struggle. You saw exactly what you needed to see, and you acted on what you saw. 
You were in the moment, part of the opportunity flow. When you're in the flow, you don't have to try because everything you know about the market is available to you. Nothing is being blocked or hidden from your awareness, and your actions seem effortless because there's no struggle or resistance. On the other hand, having to try having to try indicates that there is some degree of resistance or struggle. Otherwise, you would just be doing it and not having to try to be doing it. It also indicates that you're trying to get what you want from the market. While it seems natural to think this way, it's a perspective fraught with difficulties. The best traders stay in the flow because they don't try. They don't try to get anything from the market. They simply make themselves available so that they can take advantage of whatever the market is offering at any given moment. There's a huge difference between the two perspectives. In chapter three, I briefly illustrated how our minds are wired to avoid both physical and emotional pain. If you trade from the perspective of trying to get what you want or what you expect from the markets, what happens when the markets don't behave in a way that fulfill your expectations? Your mental defense mechanisms kick in to compensate for the difference between what you want and what you're not getting so that you don't experience any emotional pain. Our, man, our minds are designed to automatically block threatening information or find a way to obscure that information in order to shield us from the emotional discomfort we naturally feel when we don't get what we want. You won't realize it in the moment, but you will pick up and choose information that is consistent with what you expect so that you can maintain a pain-free state of mind. However, in the process of trying to maintain a pain-free state of mind, you also take yourself out of the opportunity flow and enter to the realm of could have, the should have, the would have, and the if only. Everything that you could have, should have, or would have recognized in the moment appeared invisible. Then all becomes painfully evident after the fact, after the opportunity is long gone. To be consistent, you have to learn to think about trading in such a way that you're no longer susceptible to conscious or subconscious mental processes that cause you to obscure, block, or pick and choose information on the basis of what will make you happy, give you what you want, or avoid pain. The threat of pain generates fear, and fear is the source of 95% of the errors you are likely to make. Certainly, you can't be consistent or experience the flow if you're consistently making errors. And you will make errors as long as you're afraid that what you want or what you expect won't happen. Furthermore, everything you attempt to do as a trader will be a struggle and it will seem as if you are struggling against the market or that the market is against you personally. But the reality is, is that's all taking place inside your mind. The market doesn't perceive the information it makes available you do. If there's a struggle, it's who you are struggling against your own internal resistance, conflicts, and fears. Now, you may be asking yourself, how can I think about trading in such a way that I'm no longer afraid and therefore no longer susceptible to the mental processes that cause me to block, obscure, or pick and choose information? The answer is learn to accept the risk. Re really understanding risk. Other than the many issues surrounding responsibility that we discussed in chapter three, there isn't anything about trading that is more central to your, to your success and also more under, misunderstood than the concept of accepting the risk. As I mentioned in the first chapter, 
Most traders erroneously assume that because they are engaged in the inherently risky activity of putting on and taking off trades, they are also accepting that risk. I will repeat that this assumption couldn't be further from the truth. Accepting the risk means accepting the consequences of your trades without emotional discomfort or fear. This means that you must learn how to think about trading and your relationship with the markets in such a way that the possibility of being wrong, losing, missing out, or leaving money on the table doesn't cause your mental defense mechanisms to kick in and take you out of the opportunity flow. It doesn't do you any good to take the risk of putting on a trade if you're afraid of the consequences because your fears will act on your perception of information and your behavior in a way that will cause you to create the very experience that you fear the most, the one you are trying to avoid. I am offering you a specific thinking strategy composed of a set of beliefs that will keep you focused in the moment and in the flow. With this perspective, you will not be trying to get anything from the market or to avoid anything. Rather, you will let the market unfold and you will make yourself available to take advantage of whatever situations you define as opportunities. When you make yourself available to take advantage of an opportunity, you don't impose any limitations or expectations on the market's behavior. You're perfectly satisfied to let the market do whatever it's going to do. However, in the process of doing something, the market will create certain conditions you define and perceive as opportunities. You act on these opportunities to the best of your ability, but your state of mind is not dependent upon or affected by the market's behavior. If you can learn to create a state of mind that is not affected by the market's behavior, the struggle will cease to exist. When the internal struggle ends, everything becomes easy. At that point, you can take full advantage of all of your skills, analytical or otherwise, to eventually realize your potential as a trader. Here's the challenge. How do you accept the risks of trading without emotional discomfort and fear when at the moment you perceive the risk, you sim simultaneously feel discomfort and fear? In other words, how do you remain confident and pain-free when you're absolutely certain you can be proved wrong, lose money, miss out, or leave money on the table? As you can see, your fear and feeling of discomfort are completely justified and rational. Each of these possibilities becomes real the moment you contemplate interacting with the market. However, as true as all these possibilities are for every trader, which isn't true or the same for every trader, is that what it means to be wrong, lose, miss out, or leave money on the table. Not everyone shares the same beliefs and attitudes about these possibilities, and therefore, we don't share the same emotional sensitivities. In other words, not everyone is afraid of the same things. This may be obvious, but I assure you, it is not. When we're afraid, the emotional discomfort we feel in the moment is so real that it's beyond question, and it's natural to assume that everyone shares our reality. I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I recently worked with a trader who was deathly afraid of snakes. As far as he was concerned, he had always been afraid of snakes because he couldn't recall a time when he wasn't. Now, he's married, he has a three-year-old daughter. One evening, while his wife was out of town, his daughter and he were invited to a friend's house for dinner. Unbeknownst to my client, his friend's child had a pet snake. When the friend's child brought out the snake for everyone to see, 
my client freaked and practically leapt to the other side of the room to get as far away from the snake as possible. His daughter, on the other hand, was completely enthralled with the snake and wouldn't leave it alone. When he related this story to me, he said that he was not only shocked by the unexpected confrontation with the snake, but he was just as shocked by his daughter's reaction. She wasn't afraid, and he assumed she would be. I explained to him that his fear was so intense and his attachment to his daughter was so great that it was inconceivable to him that his daughter would not automatically share his reality about snakes. But then I pointed out there really wasn't any way she could have shared his experience unless he specifically taught her to be afraid of snakes when she had her own painful, frightening experience. Otherwise, without anything to the contrary in her mental system, the most likely reaction for her first encounter with a living snake would be pure, unadulterated fascination. Just as my client assumed that his daughter would be afraid of snakes, most traders assume the best traders, like themselves, are also afraid of being wrong, losing, missing out, leaving money on the table. They assume that the best traders somehow neutralize their fears with an inordinate amount of courage, nerves of steel, and self-control. Like many other things about trading, what seems to make sense just isn't the case. Certainly, any one or all of these characteristics may be present in any top trader. But what is not true is that these characteristics play any role in their superior performance. Needing courage, nerves of steel, or self-control would apply an internal conflict where one force is being used to counteract the effects of another. Any degree of struggle, trying, or fear associated with trading will take you out of the moment and flow and therefore diminish your results. This is where professional traders really separate themselves from the crowd. When you accept the risk the way the pros do, you won't perceive anything that the market can do as threatening. If nothing is threatening, there's nothing to fear. If you're not afraid, you don't need courage. If you're not stressed, why would you need nerves of steel? If you're not afraid of your potential to get reckless because you have the appropriate monitoring mechanisms in place, then you have no need for self-control. As you contemplate the implications of what I'm saying, I want you to keep something in mind. Very few people who go into trading start out with the appropriate beliefs and attitudes about responsibility and risk. There are some who do, but it's rare. Everyone else goes through the same cycle I described in the example of the novice trader. We start out carefree, then we become scared, and our fears continually diminish our potential. The traders who break through the cycle and ultimately make it are the ones who eventually learn to stop avoiding and start embracing the responsibility and the risk. Most of those who successfully break the cycle don't make the shift in thinking until they've experienced so much pain from large losses that it has the positive effect of stripping away their illusions about the nature of trading. With respect to your development, the how their transformation is not that important because in most cases, it happened inadvertently. In other words, they weren't completely aware of the shifts that were taking place inside their mental environment until they experienced the positive effects from their new perspective that had on ways in which they had interacted with the market. This is why very few top traders can really explain what accounts for their success, except to speak in axioms like cut your losses or go with the flow. What is important is that you understand it is completely possible to think the way that the professionals do and the trade without fear, even though your direct experience as a trader would argue otherwise.
aligning your mental environment. Now we're going to start zeroing in on exactly how you can align your mental environment in order to accept the risk and function like a professional trader. Most of what I've discussed up to this point was designed to get you ready to do the real work. I'm going to teach you a thinking strategy that has, at its core, a firm belief in probabilities and edges. With this new thinking strategy, you'll learn how to create a new relationship with the market, one that diso disassociates your trading from what it typically means to be wrong or to lose, and that precludes you from perceiving anything about the market as threatening. When the threat of pain is gone, the fear will correspondingly disappear, as will the fear-based errors you are susceptible to. You will be left with a mind that is free to see what is available and act on what you see. Getting to this carefree, fearless state of mind, in spite of being burned over and over again, will take some work. But it's not going to be so difficult as you may think. In fact, by the time you finish reading this book, most of you will be amazed at how simple the solution to your problems really are. In many respects, a state of mind or perspective is like software code. You could have several thousand lines of perfectly written code with only one flawed line. And in that one flawed line, there might be only one character out of place. Depending on the purpose of the software and where that flaw is in relation to everything else, that one misplaced character could ruin the performance of an otherwise perfectly written system. You see, the solution was simple. Fix the misplaced character and everything runs smoothly. However, finding the error or even knowing it exists in the first place can take considerable expertise. When it comes to the ideal trading mentality, everybody is a certain psychological distance away. In other words, virtually everyone starts out with flawed software code. I use terms like clicks or degrees to indicate psychological distance, but these terms don't apply to a specific distance. So, for example, many of you will find that you are only, let's say, one click away in perspective from the ideal mindset. That one click could represent one or two erroneous or misplaced assumptions that you have about the nature of trading. As you reflect upon some of the ideas presented in this book, your perspective may shift. To use the analogy of software code, that shift would be equivalent to finding the flawed line in your mental system and replacing it with something that works properly. People normally describe this, this kind of internal mental shift as an aha experience or the moment when the light goes on. Everyone has these kinds of experiences and there are some common qualities associated with them. First, we usually feel different. The world even seems different, as if it had suddenly changed. Typically, we might say at the moment of the breakthrough something like, why didn't you tell me this before? Or, it was right in front of me the whole time, but I just didn't see it. Or, it's so simple, why couldn't I see it? Another interesting phenomenon of the aha experience is that sometimes, within moments, although the amount of time can vary, we feel as if this new part of our identity has always been a part of who we are. If then, it then becomes difficult to believe that we were ever the way we were before we had the experience. In short, you may already have some awareness of much of what you need to know to be a consistently successful trader. But being aware of something doesn't automatically make it a functional part of who you are. Awareness is not necessarily a belief. You can't assume that learning about something new 
and agreeing with it is the same as believing in it as a level where you can act on it. Take the example of my client who is afraid of snakes. He is certainly aware that not all snakes are dangerous and that learning how to make a distinction between the ones that are dangerous and the ones that aren't would not be difficult. Will learning how to make these distinctions suddenly cause him to not be afraid of non-dangerous snakes? Can we assume that his awareness will drop down to a level in his mental environment where he can now interact with, interact with snakes without fear of, or immobility? No, we cannot make this assumption. His awareness that some snakes are dangerous and his fear of snakes can exist side by side in his mental environment as a contradiction to each other. You could confront him with a snake and he might readily acknowledge that he knows that the snake is not dangerous and wouldn't hurt him. But at the same time, he would still find it extremely difficult to touch the snake, even if he wanted to. Does this mean that he is doomed to be afraid of snakes for the rest of his life? Only if he wants to be. It's really a willingness. It's certainly possible to neutralize his fear, but he'll have to work at it. And working at anything requires sufficient motivation. Many of us have what we know to be irrational fears and simply choose to live with, with the contradiction because we don't want to go through the emotional work that is necessary to overcome the fear. In this example, contradiction is obvious. However, after working with many years with traders, I have uncovered several typical contradictions and conflicts surrounding the issues of risk and responsibility. We're holding two or more conflicting beliefs can easily cancel out your positive intentions, no matter how motivated you are to be successful. The problem is that none of these contradictions are really obvious, at least not at first glance. Contradictory beliefs, however, aren't the only problems. What about assertions like, I'm a risk taker, that traders typically assume have dropped down to the functional levels of beliefs, of belief, when, in fact, the underlying dynamics of the way they perceive the market indicates that they're doing everything possible to avoid risk. Contradictory beliefs and non-functional awareness represent flawed mental software code, code that destroys your ability to stay focused and accomplish your goals, code that, code that makes it seem as if you simultaneously have one foot on the accelerator and the other on the brake, code that gives you learning how to trade a mysterious quality that will be challenging in a fun way at first, but usually turns into pure, unadulterated exasperation. When I was in college in the late 1960s, one of my favorite movies was Cool Hand Luke, starring Paul Newman. It was a very popular movie back then, so I'm sure some of you have seen it on late TV. Luke was in a Georgia chain gang. After he escaped, he was caught for the second time. The warden and guards were determined not to let Luke make fools of them a third time. So while forcing him to do an inordinate amount of work with no rest and giving him the intermittent beatings, they kept asking, have you got your mind right yet, Luke? Eventually, after considerable suffering, Luke finally told the prison bosses that he had his mind right. They said that if he didn't and tried to escape again, they'd kill him for sure. Of course, Luke attempted another escape and true to their word, the guards killed him. Like Luke, many traders, whether they realize it or not, are trying to have it their way by beating the market, and as a result, they, they get financially and emotionally killed. They are, there are easier, infinitely more satisfying ways of getting what you want from the market, but first, you have to be willing to get your mind right. And that is chapter four. I told you it was a little shorter than usual, Christine.
What did you think of that one? That was a, that was an interesting one. And one that uh, I feel like could speak to a lot of us and that uh, we're just scared like that guy with snakes. I think it's crazy that they brought up the snakes thing because that super resonates with me because our artist that works with us, he's starting to breed snakes. And so he'll bring these snakes into the studio and I'm just like staring at them from afar. And he's like, here, like trying to give me the snakes. And I'm like, no, I don't want you. And he's like, they're harmless. I was like, no, it's going to kill me. But I know that it's not like, I know it's not. And he told me they don't bite. And they're baby snakes or teenager snakes. That's what I say. But I'm like, no, I can't. And so it's irrational thinking. And even though I do know I'm not going to get killed by the snake and I know it's not going to bite me, it's just this irrational fear. And then it kind of just messes you up. Like it, it doesn't make sense. So when I, when you were reading that, I was like, oh my God, he's talking to me again. <laughs> You feel like Mark Douglas. Yeah. Like, like knew who you were and especially with the snake story. So are you like unnaturally afraid of snakes? Like if you go to the zoo and see snakes, are you, are you, are you trembling? No, I'm fine. Like I actually love looking at them. I just don't want to handle them. <laughs> you just don't want to, you know, I, I get it. You don't want to touch them, uh, but you're scared. And even if the, even if the, uh, your, you said it was your artist, tells you, like, this one's not poisonous. It's cool. You're fine. You won't do it still. Or you don't want to do right. it. Right. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. And he's like, okay, so here. And I'm like, no. And then I just move further away from him. But it makes sense that he is using that as an example. Because we totally, whether you've had that situation with a snake or not, or you're even scared of it or not, um, just that example by itself is pretty similar to when we're trading like those, you know, that the market's going to do what it's going to do, you know, like what you should do, like the strategy that you have created for yourself before you started trading and, you know, to stay safe and just risk management. And then you'll try to just beat out the market. Like you're almost like an oxymoron, like in while you're trading. You know, something I've never thought about as they were saying this is, as far as trading is concerned, you've heard a lot of newbie traders say something like, if I just had more capital, I could, I could win against the market, right? You hear that sometimes. People just say, I don't, I'm undercapitalized to be good at the market. And I've always thought, yeah, maybe that's somewhat true, but probably isn't true. It's probably more about your, your crappy system or your crappy mental, <laughs> mental way of going about it. But as I think about the way he's put together uh, in, these, in this chapter four, it lends to a little bit of if you if you are overcapitalized if you have a lot of money that uh you know you're only you're actually able to put up a lot of money and it's only a small percentage of your entire account maybe you are able to be a little less fearful because you have a lot of people with small accounts and because they have such small accounts they're having to risk a good portion of that small account uh and therefore it's making them more fearful so to have them actually uh, be less fearful. Like, let's say, uh, I don't know, I couldn't feel pain uh, and I was immune to snake venom. I'd probably have no problem holding the snake that uh, your artist friend has, right? Because I, I can't feel pain and I'm, I'm, the, the snake venom is not going to hurt me and I'm immune to it. So I wouldn't have any, uh, you know, worry about that. The same thing might be the case if uh, I had just unlimited income or unlimited account size where I wasn't worried about, you know, blowing an account with a, a few bad trades. And I think maybe for small accounts, that is a hurdle that they have to overcome is actually to be able to trade as if they were just, you know, as if they weren't going to blow up anything. You have to still trade in a normal manner without fear, because as soon as you start to be fearful, 
it becomes as as uh, as Mark Douglas put, it becomes self. Uh, I'm trying to say uh, self fulfilling. Thank you, self fulfilling. Thank you. I was having a a, a word. I was swallowing hard. Anyways, um, <laughs> so I was thinking that have you ever heard of that saying that if you're not good with a hundred dollars, how are you going to be good with a million dollars? Like you have to like be good with what you have and know how to use like the money that you have and grow the money that you have, like how would it be different if you had bigger capital? Like if you're not good with it now, you're not going to be good with it later. And I, that like caught my attention right away when I heard someone tell me that, but it made sense to me. I don't know if you've heard that and if it like, you feel like that's true. No, I've, I've heard it before. And I, I definitely agree with that in that I don't really want to hear that somebody's undercapitalized and that's why they're, that's why they're poor at trading. I think that's just kind of an excuse. But I will say that you probably have, you know, in, in chapter four, he's talking about, you know, have, putting that fear aside and somebody that, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're day traders that are using their trading proceeds to put money on the table probably do have a little bit more, you know, skin in the game rather than somebody that's just independently wealthy and is this trading for a, a side hobby. Um, I, I think there's, and this gets into where every trader isn't the same. Okay. If you, Christine, already weren't afraid of snakes, right. And then your artist friend brought in other snakes in, uh, or maybe you were just a little afraid of snakes, you wouldn't have as much to overcome than somebody else. Like, you know, I'm going to just going to pick on Sam because I, I know he's probably knows this artist. <laughs> uh, let's say he was deathly afraid of snakes. He would have more to overcome to be able to uh, deal with that. So I like that he made that differentiation in chapter four, that not all traders are the same. We all need to get over our fears. But what I fear about the market is different than what you fear about the market. It's different than what, you know, Keanu or whoever else fears about the market everybody's made up differently, even though we have the same goal, our fears, uh, are what kind of make us up as traders. And that comes from our past experiences, uh, and just, you know, how we've traded thus far. Yeah. I would like to ask you how your trading has been this week. Have you been able to trade options at all or yes. crypto? Yes, I, I have. I haven't done as much crypto this week, although, uh, maybe I should have over the past month or so since it's went up a little, but I have traded in options. I was today, I was in red, but that's okay. After I've read, uh, you know, a few a few chapters here, it's just uh, you just think that's the cost of doing business, right? Um, but I, I've done okay. I've really enjoyed this options trading, and I would say matching with what we're reading in in this book, I really do think this will be something. And this is kind of a win for you, Christine, because you've been trying to hit the options drum with me quite a bit and say, hey, you need to look into it. And I have, and I really enjoy it. So I want to continue to do it. E even if I just blew up an account or something, I think I would continue to uh, kind of go on this journey to to try to make it work the best I can. Because you I see potential, I, though, right? Like you see, like you paper yeah. traded for, and now you're actually trading with uh, your, you know, cash. Um, you see the potential as you grow your account. And let's say you had more skin in the game, like you were saying, you see the potential of how good it could be 100 percent. and the fact that i here's what's interesting about the paper trading versus now is you know trading with money is it does introduce everything that's in our book right now a lot of people find that they paper trade and they do really well and then they get into you know the regular market with real money and they start not doing well and they wonder why they think is the market out against them and my answer there is usually 
Well, you're dealing with emotions that you weren't having to deal with in the paper trading game. So uh, I, I can say for certain I was more successful paper trading than whatever I'm doing now. And I don't think it's because the market's against me. I think it's because I have additional hurdles to overcome, which hoping a book like this can help to get rid of those hurdles. So even if it's a little bit longer process to get rid of the hurdle, these hurdles, this is the first time I've ever really addressed the mental side of the game. Last week in chapter three, it absolutely spoke to me of any time I did something wrong with the market, I tried to outstudy it. I tried to uh, learn about the market and then well, I figured next time we'll all know what I did wrong. Never did I ever like tackle the, the mental part of the game. So this is new to me and I'm, I'm, it's good that I'm getting into options as I'm, I'm dealing with this book because I, I need it, I feel like. We were stressing everybody about this book um, in the spaces earlier, just like how much people need to read it. And I'm like, I'm vouching for the book and I'm barely in chapter three. We're starting chapter four and I already have learned so much and I'm changing, you know, like I'm learning and I'm trying to apply every time we read a chapter as much as possible. Um, and I think it just really helps. And I wish that I had read this a lot earlier but I do know that people that have read it already a few times just to remind themselves because they'll get comfortable and they'll create bad habits and then they kind of have to step back and uh, you know the market humbles them once again and then they reread the book whether it's just rereading it physically or audio so it's definitely the trading bible for people yeah for sure I can see why people really love this book and why they suggested it um, so much you know, also after reading this book, so I'm much more, anybody can tell that isn't familiar with me and my account, I'm much more familiar with, you know, DeFi. It's my name, the voice of DeFi. Much more familiar with crypto and Web3 and that sort of stuff. And I, I really would like to start trading crypto a little bit more again in a day trading um, style uh, because I do feel like the things I'm reading in this book could really help. And I understand those markets just so much better than the option market. The option is a, a good learning curve and I, I enjoy it. It's just another aspect of the market I want to know. But I do understand crypto because it just really gets down to just technical analysis at some point with crypto. Um, and so because of that, I may uh, I may fire up uh, some, some uh, crypto trading again just to kind of try to apply a little bit of what I'm learning with this. Uh, but I don't want to do too many markets at one time either. I'm, a wor I'm worried I'll get, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, just uh, overwhelmed with market with blind Market blindness. Yeah, I mean, you know I've got enough screens in front of me to put a, put a chart from about every market on it. And yeah, I'll, I can barely keep up with, with the, just the options while I'm doing some, some other things. I've told you I can't multitask, so um, I just try to be careful with that for sure. I feel like, yeah, and you're right though. You, we have to, especially with options, right? Like you have to kind of, if you're trading options, I already felt like that when I was like, I was minting you know, because I'm invested in meme land and they they had their mint. Um, a kid called Beast had their mint and I almost got drained, by the way, because, you know, their whole website got hacked or whatever it was or their Twitter got hacked. So they put like a scam link. I just am not thinking as sharp as I am with like, you know, the blockchain side of things because I've just been trading options daily. So I went ahead and went on that scam link. But good thing my, oh, no. I don't know, Wi-Fi or something. It just wasn't letting me click the mint button so that like saved me somebody but, was looking after some web three deity was was looking after you man 
yeah i was like thank you jesus thank yeah. you crypto jesus yeah yeah you got saved there if you would have had a good wi-fi connection then uh Oh, I would have been drained and they got millions of dollars in like, you know, 24 hours. So no, like, so I totally get that. And you have to like focus, but I know that this book will definitely apply to crypto. And I think that you will, and I know that you're an avid crypto trader. So I know that it will just do wonders for your trading and your scalping. I'm an avid crypto enthusiast. I'm not always in the market because if, if, if it's uh, just kind of range bounds, I will take a step back. And that's where it's been. Now, of course, here in the last, you know, what, two weeks or so, it's obviously went a little out of the range bound area. And yeah, it may be time that I, I get back in. And I, I feel nothing about like uh, that I didn't get this first, you know, if we were about to go on a bull run, which I don't believe that we are, not financial advice, but if, uh, if we were about to and I missed the first leg of it, 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 it doesn't bother me. Nothing, I, leaving money on the table is not something that usually bothers me too much. And that gets into what they got into at chapter four, right? If for some reason for me and my mental makeup, like leaving money on the table does not bother me as much as it bothers other people. But for me, just being wrong, you know, whenever I pick a wrong direction for a trade, that bothers me more than it may bother you. I think that really gets into what chapter four was getting at is all of our fears. We're trying to conquer them through this to be consistent. But all of us have a different path of how we're going to have to go about doing it. So uh, I think we all know where we need to get from this chapter, but I don't know that it's, do you, maybe I'm wrong. Do you feel he's not exactly giving you, he's not just spoon feeding you it. He's telling you what you need to do. He's not telling you this is how you're going to do it. Right. And which he, I mean, I get it. And I well, get what. Yeah, there, there'd be no way to do that. Like he doesn't know what Christine needs and he can't, he, and if he, you know, if he did and he put it in these paper and, and, you know, here in his book, then it wouldn't necessarily be applicable to me. Um, so I, I get that he can't just do that, but, and that gets to where it's kind of like take home stuff, right? Where I've read the, I've read the first four chapters. I'm getting an idea of what I need to do, but at the same time, it, it I have to determine how I'm going to get there. I'll tell you what another thing it reminds me of. This is almost like counseling. You know, if you've, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to speak. Oh yeah, sure. I can, I'm a man. So I'm, I'm male. So I can say a lot of men don't want to go to counseling, right? Instead, they would rather go lift weights, get stronger, right? Instead of working like to fix whatever's going on mentally with them. And so I think that's a little bit of chapter four and three of kind of the perspective I get is some people just want to go to the the stock trading weight room, if you will. I'm going to watch about, about 10 hours of YouTube videos and I'm going to make my mind stronger and I'm going to know everything there is to know about this indicator and that indicator and uh, what this means and what that means. And I'm going to be able to read the chart better because I'm weak at that. So there's that. You could do that. Or there's, I could try to get my mind right and find out why, is there something that's not wrong with my system, but something's wrong with me and I think that's where a lot of us probably get lost because we, we've said this several times is a lot of these systems that we may be using would probably work fine. We're either not adhering to the system or we're not taking trades that we should be because uh, we're, we're scared. I'm going to ask, is the next chapter as short as this one or is it pretty long? Uh, da -da 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 -da. Chapter five is... It's not as short as this one, but it's not as long as chapter 
three. Uh, yeah, it's it's longer than it's longer than four, shorter than three. Okay, I was gonna say, can we just read the next one? But I also just remembered a lot of people didn't even make it in because of the the original spaces wasn't working. So never mind. I'll be nice. Yeah, that 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 pisses me off. That 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 that. that, that. <laughs> But and I will say that to anybody that's in here, if ever so, we do this on Monday and Wednesday nights, right? And uh, you know it happens at the same time every Monday and Wednesday night. And if for some reason you've hit the reminder button and it, you're not getting the reminder, and you know it's time, I wonder what the deal is. Well, this has happened twice in the last four weeks. Twice, two out of these four chapters is I'll start the space, and for some reason it just won't let me do it. It will open up the space, but I can tell something's off. And uh, this time I did it, and it wouldn't let me take it off of mute. It just had me alone in the room, just crying to myself. And I, I texted Christine and said, like, can you, can you see the space? And she says, no, it says you're not on. And so after just, you know, you kind of like, well, maybe I can do this and I can do that. But in the end, it just didn't work. And I just had to start a new space, fresh, which nobody, of course, has signed, you know, had, had hit the reminder button for. So I thank all of you that were able to come in here and uh, – not uh, have to, uh, you know, and, you know, come in here without hitting the reminder button, but it could happen again. I don't think it will. Let's just hope that it's just, just something unlucky happened twice now, but uh, I'm, you know, the, the other times it seems to be working fine. Also, um, anybody that's in here, you are always free. Any of you are always free to come in here and uh, speak uh, and come up here to the stage after I get through with the reading. Christine and I are sharing kind of our own experiences and our own path and journey, but uh, I would always love to hear from anybody else's path and journey as well, especially the mental aspect of things. If you've got some uh, history that you can fall back on or maybe some fears of what you fear about the market, I would love to hear about that from you, whether it be tonight or another night. And uh, yeah, I'd like to be able to do that. But next week, we're going to do chapter five and it's called The Dynamics of Perception. What does that mean? I would say read it right now, but because it's spaces, Elon, please fix this. But you're going to ask, what do you, what do I think that means? Yeah. What do you think the dynamics of perception means? What is that even, what's that going to go over? I mean, I think it's going to go, I believe it will go over, you know, a lot of our misconceptions about what uh, traders think the market is and what it does and yeah. the actual of it yeah for sure and i went ahead and looked chapter six following it is short so i think this next monday we'll probably do two chapters chapter five and chapter six and chapter six is called the markets perspective so this is interesting we've got chapter five the dynamics of perception and chapter six the markets perspective so that'll be good and then chapter seven after that this is when i think maybe it's just my math brain gets more excited about this. Chapter seven is called thinking in probabilities. So I'm just excited about this whole book. I don't want to just nerd out about all of this, but uh, each one of these chapters as it's titled, I'm like, Oh, and kind of, yeah, I can hear that in your, your voice too. You're like, let's do it now. And uh, yeah, you're getting like real excited about it. And I get it because a lot of these things I'm like, I need this information, not on Monday. I need this information now. So I, I, I get what you're saying, but yeah, I'd probably be best if we, held it off until then i know i just feel like that extra chapter will help us trade better tomorrow but whatever okay <laughs> well, we've got a lot to be able to help here here's let me let me throw out one more thing before we sign off so everything i'm reading here 
basically is telling you to trade without fear, stay within my system, you know, don't deviate. So how come, and I'm really asking this honestly, I don't, I don't have the answer to this. How come bot traders don't do better? Because they don't have this issue. How, co how come just straight up bot trading doesn't work as well? I mean, okay. I know. I think I have an answer to that. So I know someone that, um, you know, is kind of messing around with that. Hopefully it works well. But don't they gather data from human actions as well? Like how we think? So like maybe when they make mistakes, it's because we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess I should differentiate between bot trading. Because there is some bot trading that, like you said, it has a, a social sentiment uh, portion to how it trades. But I guess I'm just talking about uh, bot trading that just says uh, technical, you know, just some TA things about like if it's under the 200 EMA and the uh, and the RSI is oversold, then, or excuse me, it's over the 200 EMA and the RSI says it's oversold and the, uh, you know, use whatever, you know, it's hit the, it's hit the support and therefore it should bounce off then go ahead and initiate the trade and then have, uh, you know, some sort of take profit and stop loss and, and all of this baked into the bot. How come those type of bots don't succeed? Because I could definitely find a system that works well historically. It would not have any emotion in it. It would just take the trades as the market presents it. But it doesn't seem to work like that. And I know some people, I've had people tell me like, oh, no, it does work. Um, but I, I don't know, any, any bot that I've ever done hasn't. So that, I guess that's my question is how come, and I don't have the answer. I'm, I'm not saying I have, I'm all knowing here, but it just, how come an emotionless bot doesn't just kill it, doesn't just do amazing in the market whenever it's not going off social sentiment like you were talking, but merely going off uh, just TA, TA signals? I don't know because I, like I'm on Trend Spider as well and I just started using this bot that like trades and I, the, it's done stuff. And I'm like, what are you like? What Wait are you a second. Doing? You're actually doing one that actually does the trade for you or it just does an alert to tell you. It to does an alert saying Christine's bot because that's what I named it. But it was like Christine's bot is going in long here. Entry like whatever, which is, I think is an amazing feature. But I'm like, what are you doing? Why? And then it's like going long, like going short here, exit. But I'm like, that was dumb. Like, because I'll look at what it did. And I'm like, you didn't even do great, bot. <laughs> Stupid bot. But you, if you wanted to mimic that, you would have to do the trade automatically yourself, right? Or not automatically. Correct. Yeah. So it's just giving me, I don't know what it's going by. Like, I guess it's just going by like the actual market and what it thinks. But yeah, it's doing weird trades. But yeah, I could copy it. Like, oh, my bot entered here. Like, that's but, a good But I think... I think some people have that set up. I don't know if it's what, I don't know what program or software you're using, but I think some people have that same setup where it is trading for them. Like it is initiating and closing the trade for them. That's and crazy. that would be emotionless, right? Like you wouldn't have to worry about uh, emotions. Uh, it better right. be perfect or I'll be pissed. So I have a stock screener as well. And uh, I think I'm going to start using it for options because um, I've mainly used it for crypto. I guess it'd more be a crypto screener than a stock screener. But it just gives me an alert. Like I'll have my speakers on and it'll make like a, it'll make like a little sound. Hope I didn't blow into my mic too much there. Cause I know that <laughs> like hurts people's ears, but it may, it makes like a little whistle sound and it tells me that the conditions that I've set forth, you know, um, I like to use the 200 EMA as a trend direction. It'll tell me that the conditions that I've said are correct. And I can just set it for, you know, for me, if I want like Bitcoin 
and the and tether cross or if it's forex you know if it's like the 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 pound and the the us dollar cross um it will give me the little whistle let me know and then i can look at it and then much like you christine i can then manually um do it myself i don't trust bots enough to let them manage my own account i mean maybe i could do it with a small account and say like okay if it blows up it blows up but i for one feel like i still want to set the the trade myself and maybe 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 that's against uh mark douglas's better judgment but i i feel like i want to have my hand on the mouse yeah and i wonder if mark douglas if you were around today seeing that ai is taking you know hold of our realities now like i wonder how he would feel with like the ai bots like trading for him I don't know. And that, that would be interesting to see kind of what, what he thought about that. By the way, anybody that did get the Po app tonight, which I can see it's a total of two of you. It's probably like me. I and tried. <laughs> you tried or you didn't? I tried. And then it said game over. Yeah. Cause you only get 10 wrong, wrong chances at the little thing. So, um, I did in the very beginning. And anyway, the picture is actually AI created through, through mid journey. So, uh, Yes, the Golden Hour Book Club is using AI to make the art for the POAPs in here. Because why not? <laughs> if we're going to... Um, I wish I got it. Uh, if you could send me a photo. I didn't know. I really don't like this anti-bot security thing. It's more of an anti, anti-human thing. Yeah, it, it's really bad. And it makes it to where... I mean, last week, I didn't even get the POAP of, that I created. Uh, so I, I didn't get it last week either. And I don't know if anybody got it. Um, so uh, I, I don't like this at all. But yeah, I just sent it to you and you can check it out. But it's uh, it's a good one. It shows three people reading a book and they're, they've all got headphones on. And I can only assume they're listening to us speak while they're reading Trading in the Zone, um, as you see it on there. So um, it's pretty cool. But at the same time, uh, I nobody can get it because of this this anti-bot feature but yeah bots are going to take over us all but they're not going to take us away from trading thing is in even with options christine don't i mean aren't you mainly trading against bots don't you just imagine that you are rather than against other humans maybe i'm wrong i don't know i didn't think about that i didn't think i was trading against bots i just thought i don't know i look at it like i'm trading with a bunch of people and obviously institutions that move the market yeah, I mean, I have no doubt you are trading against a bunch of people, but I've just, I don't know, I'd like to know what percentage of volume of the different, and I'd love to have it broken down by markets, of the crypto market, of the options market, of the NFT market, of all this, of how much of it is just is just bot trading, you know, the Forex market, how much is just bot trading, and I will bet you, let's see, let's see if we can find that out, uh, either somebody can find it out for me, or I'll do some research before next time we meet up. I will bet you it's more than you. Well, first of all, let me just hear you. Give me a percentage. How much of, let's just say stock traffic. I'm not even going to break it down into derivatives like options, but how much of stock traffic do you think is bots? 20%. 20. Okay. Well, I can't prove you're right or wrong yet. You might be. <laughs> You're like, that's stupid. Don't know for sure if it's stupid, but I'll give it <laughs> right. No, I'm not, I'm not. You may be spot on to the percentage point of, of correct, uh, but I'm not going to be able to tell you whether you're right or wrong until uh, next week or yeah, until uh, until Monday. So everybody remember, we have that on record. Christine thinks 20% of stock traffic is bot traffic. And 
I, I guess I should say a number two then, just so we can um, compare. I think it's. Oh, uh, you won't. You won't let me get away with just saying higher. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say thirty three percent. I'm going to say a third is okay. is bot traffic. So you say twenty percent. I'm saying a third. And I, I look. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong here. I could be horribly wrong. It could be one percent for all I know. Um, but it's not it's zero. Much- we must know you guys. So if you guys can help us find the most accurate answer, that would help. Yes, yes. I'll look it up. But if somebody, if one of you already have that stat, I, I would love to know it. But yeah, chapter five will be the dynamics of perception. And uh, here's what I'll do, Christine. Since you were just so excited about it, let me read the first paragraph of it as like a teaser for next week. Does that sound good? Does that sound like a good idea? Okay. Yeah. Yes, Okay. Thank you. you. Hold your applause. All right. Chapter five, the dynamics of production. I'm just going to read the first. Uh, I'll, no, I'll tell you what. I'll read the first page and then we'll kind of wrap this space up. But I'll read the first page just as a preview to next week. So it's chapter five, the dynamics of perception it says one of the primary objectives of this book is to teach you how to take the threat of pain out of market information. The market doesn't generate happy or painful information from the market's perspective. It's all simply information. It may seem as if the market is causing you to feel the way you do at any given moment, but that's not the case. It's your own mental framework that determines how you perceive the information, how you feel, and as a result, whether or not you are in the most conducive state of mind to spontaneously enter the flow and take advantage of whatever the market is offering. Professionals don't perceive anything about the markets as painful. Therefore, no threats exist for them. If there's no threat, there's nothing to defend against. As a result, there is no reason for the conscious or subconscious defense mechanisms to kick in. That's why professionals can see and do things that mystify everyone else. They're in the flow because they're perceiving an endless stream of opportunities. And when they're not in the flow, the very best of the best can recognize that fact and then compensate compensate by either scaling back or not trading at all. So that's interesting. This gets into, okay, so that's that's that first page. And that's going to get into just this whole idea of our perception of something going wrong. And I think that's a theme throughout this book so far, is if we perceive that something could go wrong and that it could cause us emotional pain, we will do what we can to avoid that, perhaps even not taking the trade, getting out too early, or, or getting out just all together and not even trading at all. And I think this gets into what we need to do is just understand, I'm going to lose sometimes. I'm going to have, uh, you asked how I did today, and I said, oh, it was a red day. And, and I think we just have to understand, like, red days happen. Red days happen. The best, the, the best traders out there, they're going to have a red day now and then. They might even have a red week now and then. But if they truly have a good system, a consistent system, then they just think, oh, well, doesn't really matter because in the end, I'm going to be ahead. And that's really all that matters uh, in the end anyway. You're right. And um, I'm glad that you said that too. And I've just been, I like a pretty good streak. And then I had a red trade and I was so pissed and I'm like, Oh, it just ruined everything. Like, do I even know what I'm doing? But I've been doing so good. And then I have one red trade and I was pissed. Like I was already trying to jump off a first story window. (laughs) So which do you think, and I'll just ask this personally, what is worse for you? 
getting several wins in a row or just being very consistent for a long time in a row and getting overconfident, is that is that your biggest issue? Or for you, is it getting any red trades, just, you know, just taking losses and do you beat yourself up over that? What is what is more of a chance for you to you feel like you can stumble? Is it doing good or doing bad that makes you stumble the most? I think doing bad. Like I think any red, like even if it's a small red, I'm like beating myself up because I'm like, what could I have done? Like, why did I why did I even enter? And then just can't take it like as well, I guess. But and then I overanalyze it and I'm like, you know what do I have to do to like, make sure I don't, but you're, what you were saying is like, everyone will have a, you know, a red day or a red week even. And that's normal. Like no one trades perfectly. And I know that, but that's where I stumble is one red trade. And I'm like second guessing myself. Like I won't even trade after probably. Yeah. But okay. So here's where I am. If I do one red trade, I've probably done this long enough where I'll be like, I'll have on the good face, right? It's like the meme where somebody's like crying, but they've got the happy face they've got. And I'm like, it's fine. It's, you know, red, red, red trades happen. No big deal. No big deal, right? Now, that's kind of like outwardly what I'm saying. And maybe even as I truly believe it at that point. Then I'll string another one right after that. And I'm like, uh, um, yeah, these things happen. They, they just happen. And it's, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then if a third one happens after that, I'm done, man. I'm mentally fried. I'm, I, I, I second guess. I don't even know why I'm doing this. I just want to throw my computer away and just go watch Netflix and, uh, yeah, just, just forget it. So that's what it is for me. It's not the red trade. It's the consistently doing bad. But if I gave you a coin, right. And 40% of the time it landed on tails and 60% of the time it landed on heads, I would occasionally have five and six tails in a row, right? Even though 60% of the time it was going to land on heads, I would occasionally have strings of tails, right? And so that's kind of what I need to say when I'm in the moment right now. But I'm telling you, and this is where I'm hoping to kind of tackle with this book, I'm telling you, whenever I get those strings of bad trades in a row, I... I, I feel it, man. I, I feel, em what did he call it in the book? Emotional pain. Uh, does everybody else want to do the emotional damage TikTok thing? Maybe I'm just too TikTok person to TikTok. Did you say, what is that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Christine. I'm older than you and therefore I should not know TikTok trends better than you do. But it's this guy. He's like, emotional damage. Anyway, if anybody's listening... If you have any clue what the hell I'm talking about, will you put up a thumbs up and, and, and just say that you, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, that, that way I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing any thumbs up. And it makes me think I'm the only one. You guys spend too much time on Twitter. There, there, I saw some thumbs up. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam, for not me, making me not the only one that's ever dance like do you dance along with being emotionally damaged emotion no you don't dance it's, that's not all of tiktok is pointing at invisible boxes and shaking your ass that's uh there, there's other things to tiktok besides that uh but yeah it's it's anyway it's a thing look it up I, I'll, I'll send it to you it's it's this guy so anyway how do you explain a meme to somebody that's never seen a meme <laughs> You can't. You just have to show me, so you have to send it.
Okay, I'll, I'll send it over. But and then I'll overuse it on Monday uh, next week when we're back here reading chapter five. I'll overuse that TikTok of emotionally damaged, and you're gonna hate. Yeah, it. true. Christine's just older, you know. Like I sent her my favorite, my favorite movie the other day, and she was like, "This is the DVD," and I was like, "Okay." I had to send her a VHS just so she could watch it. That's just where Christine's at, you know what oh. I mean. <laughs> You had to get a VHS. Yeah, whenever she wants uh, music, you have to give it to her an eight track, and that's mm-hmm. uh, unfortunate. Yeah. I know. We went out to eat, and um, she's like, "Oh my god, you're not gonna pay!" And I was like, "I got you, Christine." And she's like, "No." And she took the check from the you know table, and then she wrote me a check for twelve dollars for her salad. I was like, <laughs> "What do I do with this?" Oh my god. <laughs> and then she um, went to her check register to balance her checkbook and she was like debit $12 I was like I don't know credit debit I don't know what you're doing Christine but I am so glad you in the 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 register because I I have done that like you know 20 years ago and it's something that I thought you were always supposed to do and finally whenever I came out and told my mother like I'm not doing that anymore I think she thought I was absolutely loony but uh yeah Christine's still doing that we all we all know this that's what she does. Whatever, guys. I'm going to watch. Christine, no, you accept tattoo it. payments with checks. That's the question. Amal, dude, I hate when my client's checks bounce. Emotional damage. Wow. Emotional damage. Okay, I've heard that before. Okay, so you have heard that before? <laughs> yes. I hate you guys. I want to cut this space now. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you guys on Monday. It's been amazing. And Keanu has put this on Spotify, guys. So Yeah, uh, it's on Spotify. One. Um, yeah, then you can, like, you know, rewind and whatever, fast forward. Rewind? I'm the boomer, and you just said you could rewind it and fast forward? Well, I was going to say scrub. It's called scrubbing, but I didn't want to think that I'm being a chauvinist pig, and she has to, like, clean her countertops while she listens. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay thank you guys for joining us this has been great um voice of defi just press leave i'm not just gonna press leave i've got to play smart music because it puts us into the right frame of mind i mean when you hear this song don't you think of like man i'm just i'm buying when i need to buy and selling when i need to sell it's just just amazing all right guys we will be back on monday and we'll be back at the same time make sure you follow uh, myself and christine in case something goes wrong with the uh, space, which I don't think it will again. I don't anticipate it happening again, but uh, maybe I'll use a different phone or something this next time and, and get that done. So uh, that way I don't do it from this old crappy phone. I'm going to blame blame my tools Hey, guys. Here. Sam, how I you... <laughs> I'll start over and right now. We'll start over chapter four right Perfect. now. Sam's Just up in here. time. Just in time. All right, guys, we will see you on Monday. We'll start this thing again on chapter five and chapter six on Monday. Till then, love you all. Peace. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Buy the blood, don't be a pussy. Buy the blood, don't be a pussy. I've had to pee for like five minutes, but I won't leave.